All right, welcome everybody to episode 120 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today as we build up to the third round of MXGP. I'm Ed Stratman, your host, and uh, we're joined by the excellent Lorenzo Resta, Italian journalist and all things, mate. So how are you? Hi, nice. Nice to be here again. I'm doing well, pretty well. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And before we get into it, we'll just give a quick um, readout for the sponsors. Obviously, Part One's brought to you by Parts Europe. They distribute spare parts, accessories, rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. Tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Valandrin, Prado, Langenfelder, Guananini, Jonas, Bogers, and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike. Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partseurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. And yeah, just also a big thank you to, to our other sponsors, Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Obviously, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbis, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and obviously even Strokes for all their support. As without them, there would be no us. So thanks again for everyone and for all the fans supporting them. We um, are extremely grateful for that. So on to you now, Lorenzo. How, how have uh, you found the, the start of the MXGP season, mate? It's been very interesting, uh, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really interesting start of the season. Uh, there are some uh, fun facts that uh, we saw through Argentina and uh, Sardinia. Uh, we heading for Switzerland for the third round. What is uh, already looks like uh, it's something that can uh, change again the balance of the championship. As we saw Ruben Fernandez uh, going for victory quite easy, I would say, in Argentina and disappeared completely in uh, in the sand, lost in the sand. Uh, I think that uh, uh, nobody was expecting even in Honda uh, such a difficult weekend for him. It was a little bit uh, a shame because uh, we need some more contenders on the top, if any, we have a lot, as we said last time, uh, yep. we have a lot of uh, top good top riders. Uh, but then also there is, uh, like, for example, uh, Jeremy Seward that uh, still is not there on the top, uh, but we are heading for to Switzerland. So maybe his home GP, it can be the surprise in the egg for Easter, and we'll see what uh, is coming up this year. Uh, it was uh, always good in, uh, in his home race uh, as a kind of uh, soil that uh, can uh, fit good to him. Still, uh, we have to watch out for what is uh, the forecast uh, because uh, weather condition can uh, slightly change during the weekend. It will be a long one as uh, we will have one day off on Sunday. What make it makes it uh, a little bit silly, if I can say, <laughs> because uh, we all have to move there on Friday, teams even earlier. Uh, to build up everything, even they cannot work on track on Friday because everything must be stopped on uh, we call Holy Friday. Oh, uh, yeah. yes, so they have to work the previous day on the track, not touch the track for Friday, and maybe fix the last things on Saturday morning. Then we will have free practice, 
uh, we will have uh, chrono practice and then qualifying race, getting ready for a GP that will not happen the next day. So we will all go for mountain on the mountains, maybe for having a, a holy <laughs> all together. I don't know, but then we will restart on. Uh, uh, Monday morning with the warm-up uh, of MX2 and MXGP. What makes it completely different from what we know? Because riders will ride Saturday, Monday uh, uh, and will race Saturday and Monday. So we will have already a different uh, standings after Sunday, Saturday races. What will not probably affect completely the, the standings, but we will have a different uh, for sure. Uh, and we will restart uh, from cold, I would say, on uh, on Monday because after one day of uh, of uh, complete stop, it's a strange situation. Honestly, I don't know why we were forced to do this and we could not uh, change just the schedule uh, one week forward mm. or back. Just we we can race everywhere else on the same Sunday: Italy, Germany, Holland, Belgium, whatever but uh, not in Switzerland, and we are heading to Switzerland, what is uh, quite uh, strange. And for what concerns the forecast, as I told you, we will have minus three Celsius in the morning, uh, what ah. it make uh, even cooler the situation. The track may can be frozen in the morning, uh, so that this can affect a little bit the warm-ups and the free practice, and mostly the second race of... Uh, EMX 125 uh, and WMX because they race in the morning. And we will have cloudy sky, probably raining a little bit uh, and really cold. Maximum temperature average is around 7, 8 to 10 mm. Celsius. What is uh, even worse than a preseason race uh, in England. Yeah, uh, your that. one, Ponte Egla, that was pretty cold too, mate. Ponte Aguila was pretty cold, but maybe not that cold. <laughs> no, it was colder, was colder for sure. In the morning, it was minus five or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, of course, nobody expects this kind of weather, middle April for Easter, but it's cold everywhere and it will be a cold uh, weekend. And uh, we will have the racetrack that will be a complete new racetrack. Mm as they moved from uh, the old field where it, were, it was built every year uh, from zero nearby the city. So we will have around, I think, 15 minutes walking from the paddock to the track that is closer to the city. I hope we will have a lot of fans as we have plenty of riders because there's fully of 125, I think already like something like 90 mm. riders. Plenty of girls, what is always a good idea, and plenty of MX2 wildcards and MXGP wildcards, more than 40, if I'm not wrong. So it's really interesting. Uh, we will see, I think, again, the formula of practice for the uh, OAT teams and practice for the wildcards, and then combine the time and having some wildcards, a lot of wildcards on the ground, on the gate. What is good? Because in Sardinia, honestly, we suffered to see a gate with 23, mm. 24 riders per class. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest. Look, obviously, it's a bit of a, an ordeal for some of those smaller teams and ones that are doing yeah. select rounds to get to to get there, obviously. But it 
in terms of the GP, were you you were obviously there? It was obviously a pretty pretty nice round, mate. That the track was very brutal. Yeah, it was pretty cool seeing Hurlings and Yago doing what they did. And there was some there was some some riders that will have seen that as a missed opportunity, and some that will yes. be happy to get out of it. And um, yeah, overall, I'm pretty sure that uh, a big part of them were happy to <laughs> get out from there. And I think that there's uh, okay, Sardinia is not e easy to reach, but not more difficult than going to UK or to other places. Yeah. But still, um, and not more expensive than going to Portugal, for example, for teams that live in middle Europe. But I think that the technical uh, uh, difficulties of the track and the brutality of this sand uh, makes a lot of people. People saying, no, thank you. I'm home safely. And there has no sense to go there, be one of the 35, 40 rider and ending 35th or 40th to the race. So, yeah, I understand. Yeah, it looked like there was a lot of suffering going on uh, at that track. And obviously, yeah. you know, the guys that could handle it, the, the sand specialists did really well. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, are even saying, like, it's much tougher than Lommel, like, just... Really, yeah. really challenging track, and it just it, the way it formed up, and they did a bit of track work, and the, the riders, a lot of them, were saying they weren't happy with that, with that track work that was done. So, what was your take from from the track and just some of the riders that you spoke to? It was yes, uh, I'm not a rider, and I wasn't riding, so I cannot say a sentence, you know. But I heard a lot. I spoke with a lot of people. And from outside, what I can say is that wasn't that brutal like it was in past. Mm. Wasn't that warm and hot like it was in past. Yeah. So if we have to make a balance, it was quite a normal riola, an easy riola maybe even for some, because uh, on Saturday was quite really honestly not that much difficult as, uh, as it could be. Uh, Sunday, they put a lot of water on. And this made the track a little bit more heavy, but also, again, not that much. I was speaking with someone that knows pretty well uh, Riola, even if he never won a round of the World Championship. He, was, he had misfortune uh, uh, when we were there for the first time. I was expecting, uh, honestly, something like a victory, but he, he even didn't uh, race as he was injured. And as a nine-time World Champion who spent his winters there, and it was looking to the riders at the end of the race behind the podium saying, I don't understand. Probably they're not well prepared. I mean, the riders that were in great difficulties because it, was, it wasn't that brutal and it wasn't that hot. And we saw some of the riders ending the race completely finished, but completely. And this is a big risk when you finish a race that you're even not able to finish your last two laps i want to say in good shape everyone was tired even uh um, jeffrey was tired or glenn but they were riding safely to the end uh so some of the others uh were really complete complete done and so i think someone uh went back from sardinia saying okay maybe we have to work a little bit more it's the beginning of the season eh we normally go ahead to Sardinia uh, almost at the end of the season where everyone is in a better shape. In this moment, there are also many riders that prepare their season thinking, okay, I start in a normal good shape and maybe 
75, 80% of my condition to reach the top around the end of the championship or from middle to the end of the championship because it's so long. So I understand also this. So it's probably this is the, the, the biggest problem. But uh, it was it was cool to say. I was expecting a little bit more for some. I was expecting less from some other, but it was a really good race, good balance. Yeah, obviously we we probably got to talk about Jeffrey Hurling's getting the hundredth um, win, and he was very impressive, especially that second moto charge where he was. I think he came from seventh or eighth back to second and got past you know tons of heavy hitters, Fevre, Renault, yeah. Prado. You know, it was very impressive, and obviously he's still working towards that intensity, which he's obviously doing yeah. all these national championships, like on the weekend where he won again, and he obviously he, you can tell that he he wants to get there quickly. He's, he's trying to get that competitive. Um, yeah, you know those those minutes in because that's the most important thing. You can train all you like and and do everything yeah. you can, but until you're in those race environments, that's that's what you need to do and get as much in possible. And you know, it's pretty cool seeing someone like that who's a, an elite, one of the best ever, still dropping yeah. down. I guess you could say to do these races, <laughs> which is still risky in a way. And that was a very ruddy track on the weekend. There was obviously yeah. a lot of perils there too, and um, it's pretty da- pretty ominous for the rest of the field, isn't it? He's so good this early. Yeah, honestly, I think that nobody, even him, was expecting to see him uh, that good at this point of the season. Of course, again, uh, there's something wrong with Jeremy Seward at the moment. So we have not seen a battle between those two. And we missed him. We missed him. Geyser, who uh, is, uh, he, he was uh, the favorite, of course, for, for the title at the beginning of the season. So at the moment, uh, he's having... I would say, really honestly, eh, a little bit easier life than expected before the beginning of the season. Helped also by a sand track like Riola, put it there, and another white sand track wasn't isn't really sand, but Argentina yeah. is still uh, volcano ash that is close in some stuff to the sand. So it was a quite easy start for him. I'm pretty sure that he's still riding all the. T- races that he will have in front of him during uh till he's not in top condition because he needs to ride uh, and take part of starts and stuff like that on hard pack that's why he's doing the french championship who the level is quite good but still you see uh, is dominating but against the wild cards of the world championship not against the uh, roman Favre or against and if you check out at uh, the lap times, like in France, Romagné this weekend, uh, I think in second moto, the best lap time was made by Strange, the guy who take his, took his place <laughs> in England last year, Boirame, Matisse Boirame, who, do, who did the best lap time. So one side saying that he's not pushing that much and taking so many risks. So he's just doing motos, laps, laps, racing, starts what he needs. On the other hand, uh, can be risky, but he's not taking that much risk, I think. He's managing quite well. Uh, the others were, I think, they were mostly recovering, a part of the riders that were involved in the Italian Championship uh, this uh, weekend in Mantova, who is always a good challenge, even because you never know. Sometimes Mantova pop up, pops up in uh, a mix GP calendar last minute and it can happen again. So better to have uh, a good training done there in this period. And uh, But yeah, Jeffrey is amazing. It was amazing to see him in the second moto. Uh, it looks like he's doing completely the opposite of Jorge Prado. Prado is dominating qualifying, dominating first moto, yeah. quite 
no, I won't say difficult, but having some trouble in second moto. Uh, at the moment, Jeffrey is managing to be safe and make good results in qualifying. First moto, okay, was second. Huh? Wasn't fifth or sixth. It was mm. second. And it was riding pretty well at the end of the moto. But it was pushing just at the end. And again, in the second moto, don't forget, he was out, I think, of the 15 uh, at the beginning of the race. And he went slowly. It didn't came up like an animal uh, at the beginning. It came little by little, and then he was an animal at the end. But the fight was really interesting because he was an animal and it was amazing. But Fever was, to me, completely done physically and mentally at the end of the first moto already. He was again at the end of the second moto, but he didn't give up till the end. Mm. And he was brutal as Jeffrey riding on a, that kind of track as an experienced sand rider. And the same was for Roman, uh, for not only Roman Favre, but also for Maxime Renault. Again, everyone now is good in the sand, we see. Yeah? It's mm. completely different since 20 years ago to now. But they were fighting like really, that was good to see because everyone was giving 110% of their possibilities. Okay, Jeffrey went on the podium, victory number 100. First time on the podium with his new team manager, Tony Cairoli. So it was 100 for one and one for the other. That is <laughs> his first victory as a team manager. It was amazing, honestly, to see those two guys together after so many years fighting and be jealous maybe one of the other because one was winning more title than uh, than the first and the first well, was winning many much more Grand Prix than the second. So it's a good question. I think it would be where Jeffrey will arrive with the number of Grand Prix victories because he's already at 100 uh, and we see that he can clearly this year close more than 100, 105, 106 and it's not that his last season. So the numbers are, as Tony told me, always not important at all, but are sometimes amazing to me because they say a lot. And uh, if you make the balance, five titles, 100 victories, nine titles, 94 victories, mm. it tells you how much one was probably a little bit unlucky, but how good was managed the other how yeah. smart it was during his career never looking for victories and numbers always looking for consistency yeah that's well said mate because obviously yeah, yeah there's just an accident right around the corner if you if you try to find yes. those limits and obviously that was something we james spoke to maxime renault especially about he was saying he just he couldn't find the balance between pushing too hard and not enough on that track and yeah. it looked treacherous and you know him like him and fever you know they're what 22 points back on prado and they've they've been quite good especially you know they've had the speed but mistakes have cost them and especially with fever recently having the the arm pump surgery he's sort of coming yeah. along you know quite sneaky quite consistent and could have even yeah. even better and you know they're both very complete riders on all surfaces so i'm looking forward to see how they'll do in in switzerland but yeah. before i get your take i think 2018 swiss gp was um Hurling's obviously smashed, and Cairoli had that nasty crash, didn't he? Yes. Uh, that could have been much worse than it was, but I, I remember that quite vividly. Um, and he got back, and, you know, he wasn't, obviously, it wasn't the weekend he wanted, and he's obviously already dealing with some injuries, I think, to the knee then. So 
yeah, I'd like to get your take on um, Fever and Renault and obviously maybe a little bit of insight from that day as well. <laughs> so it's um it's it's again really 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 interesting because uh Switzerland would be completely different ground. Yeah. Uh, last time that we went there the track was built a couple of days maybe a week or two before the, the Grand Prix. It was on a field where the cows uh, were deeply muddy and uh, with mud, with uh, a lot of uh, roots, a lot of... Uh, so it can be really challenging, but it's something that probably ri French riders uh, loves really, like Fevre and Renault. I will expect Seaware to do a brilliant job also there because it's a kind of ground that he know very well. He's born uh, not so far from that track, and he was living not so far. He's li he lives uh, not so far from that track. But again, it will be a matter of uh, probably consistency during uh, this long, long uh, weekend. And um, I'm honestly really, I, I appreciate the way uh, Maxim is doing, even if he's doing a lot of uh, mistakes, but he really believes in, his, uh, in himself uh, and he believes a lot in what he can do. So I think that his mistakes are done because he's pushing really like uh, uh, hell, you know, because he know that he can be fast as the others. Uh, I also like really what Prado is doing, even if it's a mystery, what happened in the second moto is absolutely a mystery uh, because uh, Prado for the first moto is another rider. It reminds me about riders like, uh, I don't know, in road race, for example, was Max Biaggi. Biaggi, when he started in front, he was unbeatable. Unbeatable, but uh, it was. Uh, uh, and, and Prado is a bit the same. When he know he can do his lines, it was great to see him. It was fantastic to see him riding, picking those lines perfectly and going easy, um, standing on the pegs and dancing on the sand, you know. But then the second moto. It was just in troubles. He was trying to push. And when you try to push too hard in Riola, you're getting lost. If you don't push enough, you're getting lost too. Mm. If you have some other rivals in front of you that make strange lines, or you're hurlings, or you're done. So it's uh, it's strange. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But Prado, having an approach to the qualifying race, I will not be surprised if at the end of the season he will have more than 10 qualifying race victories under his belt. Yeah, it's pretty interesting sort of strategy. Obviously, he's getting those points and 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 he's almost, you know, you're not, take, not taking the second moto off, but he's obviously, uh, you know, dropping it off a little bit in that second one. And on the topic of um, on pushing and stuff, obviously, Glenn Koldenoff was saying that he, he didn't push enough because he wanted to preserve a bit of energy for yes. the second one in the first moto. And he said that it wasn't the way to ride that track, which is, you know, like what you yeah. were just saying, fine in the limits. And he said he pushed really, really hard in that second one and, and, and it bore fruit for him. The results were there and his riding was better. And he said, it, to me, he had to attack the track, really, really be on the edge as much as he could. And obviously, he's extremely proficient on the, on the soft that, stuff as well. I don't think yeah. with Prado, a problem of uh, fitness, for example, I don't think that in the second moto is, yeah. you know, is done. I think that is something... I don't know if it's uh, psychologically, I don't know if it's mentally, whatever it is, not sure. Because it finished the motos in a, such a good way, easy, you know, first mm -hmm. moto qualifying race. And it, 
fitness is really good is trained perfectly is uh, is another kind of machine like many riders we know at the moment in the championship are really like doing their job in the best way possible and nobody's lazy in those days it's not anymore the times of uh, the, the rover uh, uh, mark was one of <laughs> my riders in past 2008 2009 the most talented rider i ever seen in my life alongside with Cairoli. uh it was sometimes really lazy, not always. He has this really, really particular character, but uh, um, it's not that time anymore. Everyone now is doing his best when he's riding for a factory. Uh, your team is there, taking your bikes all days, making your job, making everything. And uh, so it's not a matter of uh, fitness for Prado. Something different and mm. would be nice to see if he can solve it through the season. Yeah, absolutely. And we'd just like to welcome on Ben Rumbold, obviously from MX Vice. He's joining us for the, the second stage of this podcast, mate. And uh, how you going? And, and what were your some of your takeaways from the uh, MXGP of Sardinia? Oh, um, yeah, thanks, uh, Edward. And uh, thanks, Lorenzo, for uh, letting me join you there. I've just uh, come off the, um, the the British podcast with a couple of British guys there. So uh, uh, they were just moaning about the sand. And I think uh, I literally said, well, at least you weren't in Sardinia. So, you know, um, yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty insane. Um, I mean, um, one, one thing is this, this is going to sound like I'm diverting a little bit, but I will get around to it. Um, I was very proud of my father. Okay. Because he's 70 odd years old. 70. Yeah. 70 turned 71 this year. Um, and he has always said, Joe Robert is the best rider he has ever seen in his life. No contest, nobody. Even my old, my personal favourite, Jean-Michel Bale, no, not Robert. Uh, <laughs> Stefan Everett's 10 times, not Robert. You know, Kyrody, nobody compared. <laughs> until Jeffrey Hurlings. You know, until, uh, until the likes of, I mean, we've seen this from Jeffrey before, but, I mean, what a ride. I mean, just, sensational and um yeah so that that was my main take was like we've got him he's back he is back he is not you know he's not disappeared <laughs> and, yeah you know it's, it's just so awesome to see when a, a rider just moves forward like that and it just makes the race just so much more exciting but also then you had that battle with Renault I mean you guys have probably talked about it I'm sorry if I'm repeating your words but Renault did not give up I mean, Fevre didn't. We expect that Fevre was always going to give him a fight, and he did to a point. But Renault was was the great one for me. It was like, okay, well, this is a, a kid, his second year MX GP. You know, he's he's really pushing it, and then the master of sand comes alongside of him, and he does not fold over. He just goes straight back and attacks him, and and, and really makes a, a solid race of it. You know, so I was just really pleased to see that. Um, if if not for the future of MXGP after Hurlings to see Renault fighting like that is 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 a great promise for the future. I think. Yeah. yeah. The worrying well, part. The worrying part. The flip side of that is, I think, what you were talking about with Prado as I joined you guys. I mean, very strange that yeah, he he's the qualifying races are made for Prado at the gate. Go, no problem. Um, yeah. But for him to, to to get a start and just not move to get a, a less than perfect start, because sixth or seventh is not a bad start. No. You know, Fevre, Geiser, Hurdings can all win a race from sixth or seventh. Um, and to see Prada not move forward at all was, was very weird. So, yeah. yeah. Is that the major chink in his armour? Yeah, it's interesting. Is he going to improve it? Who knows? 
but yeah. Yeah. An- another just, ride I reckon we should maybe have a chat about was Calvin. Obviously, he had some mistakes that cost him, but he had he had podium pace. Obviously, after after going one one last year in the brutal heat and the track was even worse, like we were just discussing last year. And yeah, he he just said that in both races he got up to like say hurlings and and uh, you know some of those Monster Energy Yamahas and he just couldn't get past. So he had all this nice flow, but he just couldn't translate that translate that into the results. Like he still got you know, solid three and five and, you know, he's not on elite equipment. So you got to praise the effort massively. And obviously he's done a lot of work on that track in the, in the winter. And, you know, he looked, he looked really good. He couldn't obviously replicate what he did, but the, um, the pace, the speed, the riding was good. What what were your thoughts on it guys? Yeah. I mean, um, he was doing well. It was doing pretty well. Uh, we, Hurlings in this way with Maxim riding well and being on a second season with Prado in this kind of shape. Uh, I, w- I cannot expect uh, him to fight for, for two victories like last year. As we remember last year when he did uh, this uh, this fantastic race, uh, Roman wasn't there. Or if he was, he was just at the beginning of uh, his riding and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't good. Uh, Jeffrey wasn't there. Uh, Renault was on his first year. Prado wasn't in a good mood at that moment. So it was, if we would say, if we can say, a bit easier. It's never easy to do one-one on a on a track like that. That's absolutely. It was a fantastic ride. But last year we saw more than one time uh, outsiders or underdogs doing races like that or winning Grand Prix like in Lommel with Bogers. Uh, so. Mm, this year is a bit different. If everyone is in the shape, also guys was in was sick when we came last year to Riola. Yeah. So when everyone is in good shape, it's of course more difficult to 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 get there with the top results. Uh, even more if you are private there. I mean, private uh, is not the right word in this case because he has a really good bike and good team behind him, but still, it's not a factory ride. So. Um, to me, he did a good race. Couple of little mistakes that, that probably uh, cost him uh, the podium because he could have the pace to be on the podium. Um, and same uh, if you see uh, for Glenn Koldenoff, uh, he was on the podium uh, uh, for the second or for the third time in uh, Riola because mm-hmm. last year was again on the podium uh, together with uh, um, probably Prado and. Uh, First year was Erling Prado. Don't remember the third, but still, it was uh, it was uh, a good ride for him too. Yeah, your take on it, Ben? You were you were pretty impressed with it, and obviously, um, you know, he's he's obviously not on elite equipment, but he's he's doing he's doing well, and it's you know it's a private team, I suppose you could say, but it's obviously the resources are, are strong compared to what a privateer would be in America, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you say, it's not elite. I mean, personally. I think he fell over on purpose. You know, he's been saying to us every time he appears, that I don't want to talk about Sardinia. I don't want to be the guy that just wins in Sardinia. So he obviously didn't want to win it. You know, that's just how it was. So, you know, what can you say? Was, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm joking. But, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it was his hot track. And I think it was his big chance. Um, I hope for a carbon sake that he can challenge everywhere this year. Um, you know, and show just as much pace uh, on hard tracks as as I mean, if he's up, if he's up there or thereabouts in Switzerland, then we really know he's he's really made progress because yeah, he's familiar with that package. It's a good bike, and uh, yeah, I, I think um, although I'm sure he wanted to win Sardinia, he's probably not 
too worried that he's not the Sardinia guy anymore, you know? So uh, I think uh, he'd be quite happy to bury that, take a positive from it and say, okay, well, now let's show what I can do on the hard pack stuff. Um, but out of the other, out of all the Yamaha guys, you know, he, he was, he was in amongst them. Um, the person I think who'd be most disappointed so far after the first two rounds is, is Jeremy Siever. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's been a really upsetting when he was coming in with really thinking of a championship challenge more even than years when he's finished second in the past and to have the big crashes that he's had and, and not getting the points so far that he needs at the start of the year because Hurlings is only going to get stronger. Um, you know, I, I thought Jeremy was going to strike at the start of the year and sadly he hasn't. So he's going home now, home Grand Prix coming up. No one is going to be more fired up. So that's, that's the one that I'm watching this weekend and I'm sure the pressure's on him. And how yep. does he react? So that's going to be the big thing to see this weekend, I think. Yeah, obviously, it's good. it's good to see he's still healthy after those two major crashes. Yeah. You know, a lot of other people, that could have been some serious injury. And it's just good that he's got through relatively unscathed. Obviously, he's got a few issues, but he's a, he's a strong guy. And he's, you know, he's almost done well. He's done well over 160 rounds straight or something outrageous. And yeah, yeah. Good. He, I reckon he, he's sort of primed for an assault on this weekend, I think. And just to touch on before we sort of look ahead, just we got to probably sort of mention Yago's ride and Kaida Wolf's uh, pretty impressive efforts there, battling away, um, you know, yeah. taking win each and, you know, just the way they were just so much a cut above on that track, the way they navigated it, jumping over the bumps, taking the nice sweeping lines and, you know, hopping it and using their legs and body to absorb all the, all the, all the bumps and the brutality of the track. So their techniques on the, on that surface shone and, it was pretty cool watching those guys have a good battle. Would have maybe been nice for the Wolf to get his first, first overall, and and it was a bit concerning for the field that Gertz had those crashes and still, still got away and could come back quite you know easily. And he was another guy that wasn't feeling great coming into the season. And yeah, he's he's looking. He's already thirty points clear. So I'll go to you, Lorenzo. Um, what are your take on Yago's start and how how worried are you? For the rest of the field, especially when Simon and Benestant and these sort of guys that are right up there have probably missed a couple of opportunities in the opening two rounds to get some good points. Yeah, honestly, for what concerns the MX2, I'm a little bit disappointed for what concerns the pure show. I mean, uh, we saw in the second moto, even in the first moto, good races, eh? don't... Uh, uh, misunderstand me uh, because uh, there were good races crashing two times coming back to six and again uh, to, to to first or to second I mean fighting for the first was a great great ride for for Iago and second moto I was impressed about about Kai because he was riding honestly uh, in, in such a fantastic way he could not pass the Iago uh, but Iago was under control doing his lines uh, and uh, and doing it well and Kai was just flying on the sand in a superb way. I saw a couple of passages that were really, really pure technique and uh, aggressive and fantastic. But still, there are those 30 points that are too many already. I mean, we are just to race off to on 19, so we are still 17. Uh, May can win the championship in, uh, I don't know, uh, Lockett in August. I really hope no. I don't, of course, hope that he do something wrong or he crash or make mistakes. But I was expecting to see more Simon in front with them, more Beniston Thibault with them, 
uh, other riders, you know, uh, because otherwise, uh, if the championship takes this kind of uh, uh, direction, it's a bit a mess because nobody was expecting to see him that good still mm. uh, i mean immediately at the beginning of the season as he said himself that uh, uh, in the press conference in uh, in um, patagonia that he wasn't that good he wasn't feeling good and he was okay uh, with uh, a top 5 uh, so uh, but then he was dominating uh, first rider ever to come out of a gp with 60 points and now yeah. uh, he, he comes out with 57 uh, but he's again a monster uh, score uh, so it's uh, it's quite uh, dangerous for the interest of the championship I saw another really good ride from Lucas uh, Koinen that was honestly going wild in a couple of places maybe sometime too much but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but it's good to see those young guns you know doing it pretty well because maybe from middle to end of the season we will saw those young riders fighting that in front and this would be amazing yeah Coonan was doing that pretty cool wide line when he had that amazing battle with uh Beniston he just couldn't get through but it was yeah it was very impressive and for someone so young only 16 and to be battling with seasoned pros like that was uh pretty cool to see and obviously um Adamo has obviously made huge improvements in the sand he went five six and you know, obviously he knows that Lommel and, and Riola are going to be his two hard rounds and to get through them with a good ball of points. And he obviously has been working a lot and Tony's been helping him a lot in the sand and yeah. Joel Smets. And so he was he was kind of happy and his attitude's really refreshing. You know, he's like, James was like, uh, have you had like a tough weekend? And he's like, nothing's tough because this is awesome. I'm living my dream. You know, his positivity <laughs> <Yeah>. really <laughs> emanates when he talks and he's just, it's cool to have someone with that approach. It's all, it's all positive. Um, for him, but um, just any quick insights for here from him, Lorenzo, before we switch to Ben on some of his MX2 takeaways. Uh, it's uh, I was a little bit uh, not disappointed is a big word, but uh, uh, I, I was thinking that um, Adamo could make it a little bit better in this sand because he was training there with Tony during the winter time, and I saw him riding a couple of times in a really, really, really good way. Still, it was a solid ride. I mean, uh, not bad, not good. But uh, after the first moto, I mean, first race in Argentina and after the Italian championship, we can expect a little bit more from him. Pretty sure that already in uh, Switzerland, he can do very well because he's training really, really hard on speed and uh, on those uh, uh, kind of hard pack or mud tracks. So it would be interesting to see uh, what it happens in uh, what happened in uh, uh, Switzerland. Uh, I saw some uh, disappointment, uh, a huge disappointment uh, on uh, Liam's uh, face uh, oh. after the race, as it was really a tough uh, weekend for him. Uh, mm. I can say that there's big pressure on him and not from the team, to me, what I see from outside. And uh, maybe he's putting uh, himself some pressure, maybe someone is pushing on him, I don't know. But it's uh, this. I hope this kid can have a little bit more fun. Um, probably, I don't know, maybe it's just my impression, but maybe everything was so serious since the beginning Then it was never a game. And um, we know many, how many times uh, riders, uh, winning riders like uh, Tony, like Valentino Rossi, like they say, oh, taking pleasure, having fun is the key 
for success. Yeah. I hope that this kid uh, can not only learn technique, how to be fast, how to be consistent, how to be stronger, how to have fun in and out of the track because kids yeah. deserve to be happy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Needs to take a take a leaf out of Mattia Guadagnini's book, mate. That'd be uh, the way to go. Because <laughs> he certainly yeah. has a lot of fun. And um, just you know, yeah, you then... see Mattia. Mattia came from from nothing. He, he built up yeah. his career from nothing, from zero. Uh, a normal family with normal parents uh, uh, having fun, appreciate so much what he's doing, what he was doing. I think he achieved at the moment more than Liam uh, in his career for the moment and uh, is having fun. Of course, everyone is going through bad and good moments in life. We cannot uh, always laugh and be happy. But still, uh, I think that he's missing this kind of fun. And I hope that being closer to Tony and to this kind of spirit can take him a little bit more to the fun side. It's mm. my opinion from what I see from outside. I don't want to offend nobody, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it, I feel like I've seen this before, seen this story before with Mr. Everett's, yeah. with, the, with the other Mr. Everett's. Yes. You know, I mean, um, and, and I got a bit of a feeling of that because, you know, with my uncle being Neil Hudson, everywhere I raced locally, knew who my uncle was and everybody expected me to be up there and tried harder when I was around as well, you know, and, and I personally didn't enjoy the sport as much because even when I hadn't won a race, I felt like I should be world champion in future. And, and, and you know, Stefan grew up like that. Liam obviously grew up like that even worse. Uh, Stefan didn't really bloom. Okay. He won a one, two, five world championship, but he didn't really bloom until he got away from that. The, 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 the two Gabor's brothers and his dad were in this, his ear and, you know, he didn't really progress until he almost got out of that. And and, yeah. and Liam is in, in that KTM bubble with obviously his dad, his granddad, Smets is there as well. And and obviously you got Caroli is 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 in the same colours. So you got lots of lots of voices that are amazing and you should have all of this and you should take it all on board and be very serious. And like you say, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the flip flip side of the silver spoon. Is that you know there's <laughs> absolutely you know I mean, it, it's you know, uh, difficult to see. I I know Stefan since 2004. I saw him uh, riding, racing. Uh, I I know him personally. I know how kind of fantastic person he is. How much did he fought for for what he is today? How much effort did he put in for being the champion he was and the man mm. he is? Because we don't forget, he's the only man, the only Belgian that came out of this kind of sickness uh, when he came from uh, back from Africa, and he's yeah. the only one that survived to this fighting with always a good spirit, eh? because he's a fighter, but he's always with a smile. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, um, I'm feeling that there is something uh, that maybe should change uh, to to let uh, Liam. Uh, I mean, spread his wings and going a little bit for uh, by by himself. 
Maybe he should listen to more Stefan's metal music or something. Should listen to more Skid Row, you know. The one where I love that story where he um, he swapped his uh, American Grand Prix winning trophy for a Skid Row tour jacket. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, maybe Liam needs to listen to more heavy metal. You know. <laughs> I mean, the one the one scary thing I think just to talk about Evex too as well a bit further. Um, the one scary thing I think is that obviously um, during the Redbird Motocross of Nations. Yago Kiertz was in the tent, I think. I think this happened. He was in the tent. You know, he was mingling with all the team guys, got onto the podium. I think he sneezed on Chase Sexton. And he has then given Chase that uh, when you're winning, <laughs> you crash. Sickness, yeah? He's passed it on and he's got rid of it completely. You know, Chase now has it. I am now counting Chase's points that he's lost as I counted Yago's points that he lost in crashes over the year. And now... Uh, Dago is free of the sickness, he's free of the bug, and he is just winning. And I love to see it. But yeah, yeah. That's that's what, that's what I think has happened. And everybody in MX2 needs to worry. Um and uh yeah, although it's great to see Kaida Wolf get up there and take a race win. Awesome. Um I saw Kai in the filthy, filthy wet Hawkstone, that really, really bad one, when he was like, God, he must have been 15 if that. And yeah, stunning rider. And the boys shot up in height. He ain't going to be on 250 for long. And, uh, yeah, I think he can um, – I, I think he'll struggle to beat Iago this year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think for sure he would be a massive favourite for next season unless Iago catches the sickness back. So if I was Iago, stay the hell away from Chase Sexton. Don't get that bug back and just keep winning without the crashing. Please. <laughs> yeah, well said, mate. And, uh, Lorenzo, before we uh, move on to the, the weekend a bit more, can – I'd love to get your thoughts on Bonacorsi's He's incredible ride in EMX. Like he was just, uh, yeah, cut above, and he was just pushing so hard and just gapping the his competitors quite impressively. Obviously, Kaz Volk and Van Erp and Prugniers put some put some and Kai's markers put a pretty good ride in. But yeah, he was uh, he was on another level, wasn't he? And you obviously know him very well, and he's been pushing yeah. in the off season, doing some training with Calvin Valandron, and some days faster than him. So, how did you see that, um, Andrea? You know. I know Andrea very well. Uh, it's first of all, it's a super kid. It's hyper polite. It's super nice. It's uh, really shy sometimes. Um, and he's um, pushing a lot on himself. Uh, and when he's pushing a lot too much on himself, uh, again, it, it isn't working. Last year, he was ready uh, to really fight uh, with the top riders, uh, in, at the level of the top riders in EMX 250. But he did this race in uh, Matali Basin at the beginning of the season. It was seventh uh, in the practice. Uh, and then he crushed. Uh, and this season, to me, was a little bit like mm, messed because he could not come back stronger uh, immediately. And uh, his teammate was Dutch, was doing the job pretty well in a Dutch team. With a team manager that uh, you can really appreciate the work he's done, but he's Dutch and he's really tough and a hard guy. Uh, so if results are not coming up, uh, it was a bit in a, in a strange situation and he wasn't happy again. He, he wasn't doing well and uh, he pushed too much pressure on himself. This year, everything is completely different. Uh, some rider went away, is the leader of the team, is the fastest uh, in the team. His physique is ready for 450. Honestly, mm -hmm. if you see him, he's uh, uh, doing very, very well on uh, physical training. 
and he loves the sand. He was doing his first podium in 125 with silver action back in the days with a bike with maybe 60 hours on the shoulder. And uh, he's, uh, he was doing um, a one, one uh, with the Fantic, one to five when he won his title in Lommel again. Riola loves Riola. He won last year, not in this kind of way, but he won again with a 1-1. One, one. This year was dominating, uh, finishing, ending the first moto, doing a, a lap in 156. And I know Andrea. I know that he isn't the guy who, who will uh, push till the end. Isn't the guy who will do a super lap at the end just to show that he's still fresh. It was natural. He was just doing what he loves in the way he loves. Second moto was quite the same. It was taking a little bit more time to find all the, the reference he needs to just go fast. And then it was really fantastic. I hope that Andrea can keep this speed in Arco di Trento. Arco would be different, uh, would be not that easy like it was in Riola, because in Riola, Riola is magic for him. It's magic to him. Like uh, I know I, uh, I follow him since years and I know how, how hard he's training on that track and he loves the sand. But it can be the year for Andrea, and I hope that this can open the door uh, to a factory ride uh, in MX2 or next year, because he deserves, even if he's not communicating so much with the uh, outside, he's always quite uh, serious, but he's a good guy. I saw another good ride from an Italian rider, due to the fact that I look at the Italian riders, was Valerio Lata. <laughs> Valerio started uh, 38 in the first moto, uh, sorry, 18 in the first moto, and he finished six with a really good pace, and he was third in the practice. So third time in the practice with a private bike, uh, was and it's a stock bike. I can guarantee you it's, a, at the moment, a stock bike with a pipe and with WP suspension with factory service. So mm -hmm. that was fantastic. He was 18 at the first lap of the first moto, and then he finished sixth. Second moto, he had a crash at the start he restarted 38 and he finished eight for a six overall what to me in riola for a kid who was struggling so much last year in mm. 250 with four stroke is the first really good signal in italian championship in mantova he was the fastest on the free practice he scored the pole position doing the best lap time of the three groups uh of uh of the race he was the fastest uh, in the warm-up, and then he, he got two uh, quite, uh, not serious, but he, he had a really poor start to the first moto, and then he lost his goggles in the middle of the moto with uh, some uh, mud descend, so he could not pass, and he finished 10th. The second moto, uh, he had uh, an accident uh, at the start. Uh, someone hit him from behind, and he broke his... Uh, um, the chain went went down, and, uh, and he could not restart. So... Yeah. It was unlucky, but he's growing a lot, and I really hope we can see the EMX 1 to 5 2021 European champion uh, getting there for some uh, podium fights uh, before the end of the season. Yeah, it certainly it was, it was a good start to that series. Obviously, um, good to get it back underway and just sort of see how it all plans out because obviously, quite a quite a few yeah. heavy hitters have left and gone into MX2. So, yeah, it was a good little, good little hit out and um. Yeah, Kaz Volk was doing too. really well also. Who was that, sorry? 
Prunier was doing yes. pretty pretty well also. Uh, was, He's uh, just got uh, an injury though, hasn't he? So he we might he might yeah. be back for the next round, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so because uh, it's a it's a it's a good rider and uh, it's a good team and he was doing pretty pretty well. Yeah, he's a fun, he's a fun rider to watch. He's got that sort of French yes. flair and a little does does a pretty cool things with the bike and a lot a lot of skill like uh like a Benestant or someone who. Um, yeah, he, he'll he'll definitely be looking to Switzerland. He was saying he had a lot of issues with that sand track and not really his thing. And but he's been doing good work with Kenny and and the boys. So we'll we'll look for Tebow to have a big uptick yeah. in um, Switzerland. You you feel that, Ben? Yeah, I think um, we need a world champion called Quentin, don't we? I think we need that. I think the motocross would do so well with that. You know, as that champion, Quentin Prunier. Fantastic. No, I'd love that. Uh yeah. <laughs> um I was I was quite tough. I was quite pleased for Kai Carsmakers. Good to see him. Um, you know, obviously had a, a mixed up winter pre- pre- preparing on a KTM for the British Championship and then uh, having that team fold and being um you know having the fortune to uh, pick up the Husfana ride and um yeah to, to go third. We know he's strong in the sand, but yeah, that was still um that was still a nice result for him. He had a a year of, of a few little troubles with the British Championship. He never quite seemed to stitch it together. Two day, two sort of um, solid motos, and he had a, a big crash at the end of the year as well. So it's nice to uh, to see Kai get up on the podium as well. That was good. But um, yeah, Valerio Lato. I, I think I briefly spoke over you, Lorenzo, and uh, I didn't quite catch the surname, but I've just uh, seen it there. So yeah, Valerio Lato. We'll, we'll watch for him as well. So yeah, I'm intrigued to see EMX 250. I must be honest, I've never never watched it before. Um, so yeah, now that I've got the, the time. Uh, to do this, I don't have to sell cars in the week. Uh, I can now watch the MX250, so it's quite pleasant. And uh, to say to my missus, I'm watching bikes, yeah, I'm working. So, yeah, yeah all good. <laughs> yeah, mate, that's that's it's, it's true. It's the excuse, use it, mate. And um, obviously, Ben Watson, um, we want to chat to obviously, you know, a bit more about his story, Lorenzo. And he uh, he looks like he's he may he had some pretty decent rides, obviously, uh, on the weekend. Obviously, he had a bit of a issue in one of the motos, but um. Apparently, yeah. things are. James was saying there's some more, some more additions to the bike and some improvements. And obviously, it's good to see him happy, and he seems to love that team and love Lapino. So, are you expecting a uptick in results from Ben Watson quite soon? Yeah, so I, I, I think that the the Ben, uh, I, I know him uh, not maybe good as man because, uh, uh, but it's it's uh, such a nice person uh, again, uh, so polite, so nice. Uh, even maybe some time on track too much. Uh, there was something in past uh, that switched in his mind uh, when he was trained by Jacques Vimon. I remember uh, while he was really doing great. I did an interview with him a couple of years. Uh, ago uh i'm trying to remember we were overseas that's for sure i don't remember maybe indonesia yeah semarang i did an interview with him in semarang uh while he was again really happy and uh because he found out how to be uh, fast and consistent with that yamaha 250 at the moment i think he found back his smile uh he's discovering a new way to work and to train I'm pretty sure that after one year with Anti Piranen uh, going to a team like uh, uh, MRT, it's uh, quite different, slightly different for everything. Uh, but it can be nice uh, to discover that there is something different uh, and that you can be happy doing your job uh, without being always on time, always on the schedule. Um, Lupino is a great guy. He's the oldest rider on the grid. Uh, so he's our veteran. 
Uh, I'm joking with him a lot, but he's the oldest on the grid. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's a fun fact, uh, but uh, it's so much experience. And he's always in contact with Tony. Several times they ride alongside. I have to say that when I saw the video that is on Instagram, uh, Tony riding behind Jeffrey today in the dust. I don't know if you saw it already. It's something really cool because you see again those two guys riding alongside i love it and uh tony you know is not preparing for a, for a championship so he's doing really easy and quite relaxed the other one is just doing it because he's uh he's training himself to win uh, his sixth title but it's nice because uh there's something new something that we can uh, uh just discover uh, minute after minute but when you have Tony Cairoli, that is not training you or teaching you because you, Jeffrey Erlings, you know, of course, what to do. But he's riding behind you and he has probably some time in training the pace to follow you and to maybe notice something or show you something. To me, this is great. You can imagine uh, uh, Stefan Everts riding with uh, Sylvain Geburs. That wasn't possible. <laughs> or Claudio De Carli riding behind Tony Cairoli. Uh, I don't know. We can we can do a list. Um, Michele Rinaldi riding even behind Josh Coppins a few years ago. That was not possible. <laughs> but today, you have the team manager that is riding and is riding with the skills of a nine-time world champion who retired last year alongside with one of the greatest riders ever. So it's those little things give you goosebumps. But uh, uh, in Italy, we say that this is the salt of life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. I was, when we were speaking to Mattia Guadagnini, I think it was either with you or when he came on the MX Vice show with um, James and I, he was saying he likes the days when Tony doesn't get on the bike because he sees he sees Tony come up with the truck and the bike and he thinks, oh, no, he's, oh, shit, he's... Uh, <laughs> He's going to smash us, yeah. So it's still, he's still that good, isn't he? <laughs> yes, it is. And they, they get in trouble, you know, because the day your team manager is faster than you, even maybe just for a lap, uh, then you get in trouble for, for sure. And you put pressure on yourself because you say, no, no, that's not possible, man. It's my team manager. He should come with, uh, I don't know, a jacket and a tie, not yeah. with a uh, helmet and making best lap time than me, better lap time than me. So yes, it's, uh, no, it's still impressive. And... Yes. Yeah, and then you've got... I every time I see Tony putting uh, the clothes on and the helmets on and the Googles on. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> dreaming costs nothing, we say in Italy. So uh, let's uh, let's see what happens. We will never see him again on the World Championship. That's for sure. We'll never do yeah. a wild card. That's for sure. Even to me, if maybe, why not? One day... At last race of the year, doing two motos uh, for fun, just for fun. It would be great, maybe celebrating uh, his first title as team manager. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I discovered, know that, yeah, you know that I discovered last week and talking with my big friend Pascal Odiger that he was the man that was behind uh, uh, the decision of Stefan to participate in one to five, two fifty, and five hundred the day he won the three races in France. Because uh, he said to him, why you don't try? And then they make a kind of challenge, the bet. And at the end, he did it. And he won the three uh, yeah. the, the three races in the day. And Pascal was the one who was asking the Federation if it was okay to do the three races. Uh, Rinaldi, <laughs> if it was okay. that I mean, everyone involved in the picture to say, 
are you okay with this? Yeah, so why you don't do it? And he, <laughs> he did it. So crazy <laughs> ideas sometimes brings to incredible results. I've just been doing Stefan Everett's um, statistics for uh, for a feature and like, oh, cra- that weekend threw it right out. And like, what? He suddenly jumps up by three wins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yes. That guy's stats, I mean, it's a slight digression from the conversation, but the the changes that he saw, you know, two motos, three motos, single motos, back to two motos, all four uh, manufacturers and one year in Husqvarna. And and then, yeah, the changes from 125, MXGP, 250. He wrote them all, did it all. And, like, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, crazy. And you, you compare it to Hurling's, like, always KTM, yeah all for strokes uh, all on uh, two models yeah. all uh, all similar yeah, yeah, yeah it's true i agree i agree but so, the day you will need to make statistics on Cairoli, just ask me i send you <laughs> i do my own i always do my own <laughs> <laughs> No, I might, still, I might hold that. <laughs> remember, Tony Cairoli will be probably till the end of the story of the Motocross World Championship, the guy who have won more races uh, in MXGP with, I mean, yeah. the 450. Because uh, still, Jeffrey is fantastic with his 100 victories, but he's still really far uh, in total victories uh, in 450 class. Yeah, well said, mate. He's, he's, he's definitely a legend. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a legend. It's good, good to good to see him still involved in the sport and obviously imparting yeah. his knowledge onto yeah. onto the younger guys and maybe hurlings when he gets a chance. Um, yeah, it's good to see him still involved, mate. And you're obviously great mates with him, Lorenzo. So it's it's pretty cool. And um, heading into Switzerland, obviously. Well, we should get Mitch Evans back. Uh, obviously, he probably won't be a hundred percent. I thought it was quite interesting. Geyser was on the the first um, entry list. I don't know if you guys saw that, but uh, he got taken yeah. off the, the recent one. Um, so, have you? How how are those guys uh, going, Lorenzo? Any updates from Tim and see if it, maybe probably a Trentino might be a bit soon as initially expected. Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, after the first. Uh... Uh, enthusiasm of uh, hope to see him as soon as possible back on the track because we need him we have to face a little bit the reality that he will be back when he will be ready 100% uh, to be competitive uh, to be safe enough to ride on a good level uh, with, uh, with the championship of course to me is it, done because uh, there are so many good riders making already good results that if uh, we can imagine that it's already a difficult situation for Jeremy in this moment, uh, for him, of course, uh, uh, there's no possibilities to fight for the title. So the best option possible would be to really take care, come back, uh, of course, as soon as possible, but with everything at 100%. And I'm sure they will act in this way. So uh, I think that uh, there will be some option to see him uh, but not before uh, I would say maybe we can say but Spain or France maybe I don't know yeah it'll be interesting to keep track on because obviously Ruben Fernandez is doing a pretty good job holding down the the fort and they obviously didn't go for the fill-in option so he's 
he's sort of, uh, you know, vindicated that decision and the faith they placed in him, obviously winning that first GP and you were there on site for that, mate. And um, obviously Riola didn't go to plan, but um, yeah, it would have been a pretty special moment being there in person to win that one in this fellow Spanish speaking country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Ruben is uh, growing, he's growing really quick. Uh, he's doing a brilliant job. Uh, I think he was the first one to be disappointed uh, after the second uh, race in uh, in Riola, as he everyone was expecting to limit the damage a little bit more. Uh, nobody was expecting to see him on the podium. Maybe himself, yes, but I mean, realistically, it was an easy race, but limiting the damage and not crashing so much and uh, putting, I mean, wasting uh, the opportunity to score solid points as he did on Saturday because qualifying race was doing pretty well. Uh, probably, or maybe it was a kind of approach, different approach compared to, to Sunday, uh, more calm uh, and he was doing pretty well. Then uh, those crash were quite heavy, and uh, uh, it's never easy to to take out from a race. But he was forced to do it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we will see him again uh, fighting in front. Uh, is a is a Latin rider. What it means is also passionate and uh, really sensitive to what is around him. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that already in Portugal, that is the closest race to his hometown. So Agueda is the first home GP for him. Then we will have also into Xanadu, but uh, uh, we will see already uh, the kid fighting for the big result. Yeah, I think you'll have a good bounce back this weekend, hopefully. And um, just looking at uh, some predictions for the weekend, we'll start with you, Ben. Who have you got um, for MXGP and MX2 for the Swiss uh, round coming up? Oh, that's the hospital ball, Ed. I think that's what they call that in Red Bull, isn't it? I'll just tell you that before you get hit by the big guy. Yeah, okay, no worries. Thanks for that. <laughs> you, you can you can pass the ball on to Lorenzo if you don't like it. Not <laughs> about the guy who passes the ball on. No, sir. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I'm do I'm passing to you then, uh, and we make a triangle. <laughs> you know um, football very well. Uh, yeah. No, I know I know American football quite well. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I'm actually uh, before I go to predictions, just to give me time to think about it. Um, I'm going to say, I mean, 48 riders for MXGP. That's cool. That's yeah. very cool. I'm really pleased to see that. I mean, that means they might have to qualify, which is is great. You know, I yeah. think that's wonderful. Um, so that's really cool. And 38 riders for MX2, I can see here. So, yeah, still much closer to, to the full gates that we all, I think, want to see. I mean, I've been arguing online, is it really that important to have a full gate? Maybe after the first lap, you don't really care. But even so, it's just nice to see healthy numbers in the sport, isn't it? You know? Um, yeah. But I mean, uh, and we've got some British riders in there. That's really pleased. Uh, I'm, I'm personally very pleased to see that. So Conrad Muse is going to have a go. Um, and I hope that he rides like he does in the UK because, you know, he, he beat Tom Vial at Hawkstone last year. Let's not forget that, you know. So he's, he's got class and uh, hopefully he'll, he'll have a good chance to show it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we've also got Ashton Dickinson and John Adamson, who are two lads that might get into the points. So we'll see. But, okay, so predictions. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's really difficult. Uh, I don't think Jeffrey's going to win. Oh, go, go on, go on, Lorenzo. <laughs> get the notepad out. <laughs> I, I don't think Jeffrey's going to win. Um, I think... Jeremy will lead, but crash. 
Um, I probably think that uh, our winner this weekend will be Maxim Renard. Hello, Jeremy. Did you hear that? <laughs> he said you will lead your home GP after the shit period and then crashing. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'll no, I just took myself my own, my own hospital ball. Today's not what I did. <laughs> I just put myself in hospital next time I see Jeremy. I love you, Jeremy. Nobody would be happier than me to see you as world champion, Jeremy. Okay, let's just put it out there. I would love it. Yeah, come on. So, you should have said to see Jeremy win. I personally think Renault will win. Whatever the circumstances, I think Renault will, will take the win. Uh, and I think you'll see Jeffrey and Jeremy on the podium. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where I, I'd probably, you could have played it safe and said it might be like the top three will be a a, a combination of either Hurlings, Renault, Fevre and Siwa maybe. Then you can keep everyone happy, mate. So I'll go with that. And what about you, Lorenzo? Um, you know, um, Prado was winning there in 2018 uh, with MX2 on a kind of track, MX2 class at that time was a little bit less packed than what is now MXGP for sure. As you can see, Michele Cervellin fourth that day, for example. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a track where um, Renault, I agree, can do pretty well. Uh, I would be not surprised to see again a fight in between him and Fevre and see Fevre taking his first victory after a long time. Uh, Jeremy for sure he, he needs a podium uh, uh, with all his heart and he needs a podium so that's that's could be the three riders for the podium with uh, strange maybe but uh, Fevre going for the, for the victory on a, this kind of soil he was already second behind uh, Jeffrey but who knows with uh, what can Jeffrey can do on a hard pack and Prado as I tell you, he won with MX2 on this kind of ground. It's a different track, and we know mm. many things are changed from that period. But uh, but yeah, I will do. I would say this. Yeah, and maybe uh, on the on the given the surface, maybe someone like a Ferrato or a Guadagnini, or even it'd be good to see Jonas and Fernandez. There could be some interesting results, hopefully for those guys too. I hope uh, I hope that uh, for, for for the Italians uh, that uh, Alberto is a fighter. Eh? But I don't know if it's a track that can uh, um, help him, uh, mostly if it will be muddy. For mm. what concern uh, uh, the young uh, Guadagnini, a top five, I think it will be a great uh, wrestle for the third round of the season. Yeah, Ben, some of those sort of out, uh, maybe outside podium picks, you've got a few in your, in your in mind. Even Pacharella could do, do some pretty good things. I'm looking forward to see how he goes too. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um... I mean, if Prado gets the start, it could be history, you know, it just could disappear. Um, Fernandez, again, he's, like I say, the bounce back and uh, it's it's hard pack-ish. So, yeah, I think um, definitely in with the with the shot there. But it's looking through the, the list here. Um, Jonas is due a good ride. I don't know how healthy he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, um, Koldenhoff. Is good on all surfaces, so you know there's there's that, and he's he's looking very strong this year. So, yeah, um, I I I don't think we're going to see too many wild cards in there, um, apart from Conrad Muse. You know, I think he'll get on the podium, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, even, even I, I think I think Muse will get top ten, um, okay. and uh, if he does get starts, I think even top five, he's got the chance. He's a good rider, but yeah, yeah. 
So that's a good call. Even um, Guillo is very fast on the hard stuff. So he might, he did obviously very well at Turkey at the end of last year and he's obviously changed yeah. teams. So it'd be good to see how he goes. And um, before I switch it over to you, Lorenzo, uh, I'd be thinking Beniston would be pretty, Beniston and Langenfelder would be definitely in the mix this weekend with Horgmo and obviously Yago and, and Kai as well. And maybe Lucas Kuhn and we'll see this. So there's, it's a little bit more open, I feel, in MX2 this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's like this. Uh, I mean, uh, Thibault is, uh, is a French rider. French rider can really do well on this kind of surface. I expect a lot from him in uh, Villars-Suzeco this year because it's a really kind of track that can uh, suit him a lot. Um, Simon uh, had a more difficult start of the season that he was thinking and of the team was thinking because uh, he's perfectly trained. Uh, this, his bike is doing really, really well. Uh, so it's uh, it's time to to see him uh, there fighting for for, for the top results uh, alongside, of course, with Diago. I think that maybe Lucas is also someone that he can is ready to fight for the top five uh, in also in Switzerland. Nice, Ben MX two. MX two. Um, I think you'll see Everett's on the podium. I think Liam will get there this this week. I do. Um, just because, you know, his, his dad will be so angry at what I've said that he'll say, look, put that British guy up and, you know, put him in his place. Um, oh, I, I should pick Hurlings for the win because I'm going to be commentating on him at Fox Hill because he's racing the British Championship. I should have picked Hurlings for the win. Damn. <laughs> Missed out there. Sorry, Jeffrey. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I think I think Everett's will get on the podium. I think he'll be third. Um, and uh, I don't know about Beniston. I don't really I'm I'm not excited about that it's done. I don't know. I don't really see a world champion there. I don't know. I might be wrong. I, I probably will be wrong. But you know, I just don't I hope for him. I don't see it. Don't, don't you do? <laughs> I know. I mean I, I know I know Thibaut since a long time. It's uh it's another fighter. Uh, it's another little Maxim yeah. Renault on, on character. Uh, I saw him fighting uh, in one two five. It was easy for him to score the title, and then he's the only one who won back to back one twenty five two fifty EMX championship. Uh, doing great great battles with uh, Guaranini, so that's why I was looking at him. Uh, with, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so it's uh, it's it's a really really tough uh, guy, uh, a fighter, you know, from south of France. Uh, these yeah. kind of characters that are really like they believe in themselves a lot. Um, so uh, I'm. I just he seems to be quite crash happy. Yeah, you know, he seems to yes. lose his head a bit sometimes. You know, that's 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 yes. the only reason I see. I say what yes, I say. I Sorry. Yeah, I understand what you say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I would say um, uh, second will be Yago, and um, the the win will go to Andrea Adamo. Yeah, I, I like that Adamo call on the hard stuff. What's a, I was going to sort of yeah. switch that to Lorenzo and see what he thought of the... Yeah, he should be good, shouldn't he, Lorenzo? Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. For sure, it's the kind of uh, soil 
who suits him a lot, even if uh, he, he got uh, his only two podiums in career at the moment uh, on kind of sandy surface. I will not say on the deep sand as was Riola, but uh, Argentina and Mantova last year were two races where he went on the podium. Uh, so, but um, Andrea, it's really fit. Uh, in this moment, uh, it's training hard, uh, and the Italians doing well normally in uh, on the on the hard pack. Like I did, I told you, Michele Cervellini did his best uh, career results in MX2 in Switzerland in 2018. Yeah, that sounds good, mate. And um, before we before we let you go and wrap it up, I'd um just like to ask any final thoughts, lads, and and just thanks for thanks for joining us again. And you'll be there, Lorenzo. Or- at the track so you'll be having a good weekend mate yeah i hope so i hope so we will uh, get in contact from the track uh, and uh, and see what happened there uh, it will be interesting anyway uh, try just to find out some idea of what to do on sunday just this yeah ben um what's what's your sort of thoughts heading into the weekend before we uh, before we shut it off um yeah i, I think it's going to be good to see a hard pack circuit and just to see a, a bit of a mix up of the results and we'll we'll really start to see where the riders are um i think it's an exciting championship in prospect i, I don't think it's gonna all go one way um even mx2 i feel there could be a twist in the tail but yeah uh, we'll see like i say i i i wouldn't mind yago here running away with it i think he deserves it after the troubles he's had in years gone by so i actually wouldn't mind if he makes it boring and just disappears i'd be very happy with that and just i think he just thoroughly deserves it and i, I just feel his pain so much uh so yeah uh mx2 is 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 mx2 um but yeah i think mxgp is up for a cracking year yeah the time's now definitely uh now for yago and um yeah thanks very much for joining us lads it's been a been a cracking episode and before we let you go we'll just give a quick um, read out to the sponsors obviously and um Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and obviously even Strokes for all their incredible supporters. Without their their input, none of this would all be possible. So thanks again um, for joining us on episode 120 of the MX Vice Show, lads, and um, we look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Oh. Oh.